Great job, church. Great job. Hey, let's open up our words now to the book of 1 Peter um, chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, we're going to be looking at today verses 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 is where we're going to be today. Um, we're going to go ahead and read that scripture together. 1 Peter 1, 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. And today's, pre- today's sermon message is going to be titled, Set Apart by the Word of God, set apart by the word of God. Starting in verse 22, Peter writes, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit on sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as as grass And all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers fall away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Studies have shown uh, and have proven that if you blindfold a man and you ask him to walk in a straight line, he will start out well. He will do well, but then soon after, he'll begin to turn one way or the other, eventually looping around in even tightening circles. So if we blindfolded someone today and told them to walk a straight line, there's a good chance that they're going to start wandering aimlessly in just a matter of seconds. The the strange thing is, the strange thing is, is that that we feel like we're walking in a a straight line. But then we begin to loop, you know, carelessly without ever, without ever knowing it. What do we need? We we need a fixed point, okay, to to walk to, something that we can see in order to walk a straight line line. Uh, uh, One person, Robert Colwich, he said, without a corrective, our insides take over and there's something inside of us that won't stay straight. God's word, God's word is that fixed point for our spiritual sight. For our, for our souls. It's truth, it's truths are fixed. Uh, Psalm 118 verse 89 says, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Thus, it gives us a, a safe and accurate reference points for our lives. Here's the thing, though. A, 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 person, a person who rejects the, the Word of God uh, are, 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 are as the source of truth that, uh, that, that may feel like they're on the right road. You know, a, a person who rejects God's Word as the source of truth, you know, they, they, and they reject that. They, they may think that they're going straight, but you know, inevitably, they will go astray. As the Bible tells us in Proverbs 14, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Jesus, when he was here on earth, Jesus didn't point people to the fixed point. He claimed to be the fixed point. He he didn't point people to a standard. He said he was and is the standard. Jesus didn't say, I know the truth or I can point you to the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. He is the son 
by which we navigate our lives, the star by which we guide our path. He is our fixed point. And how thankful I am today for the Word of God. What would I do? What would you do? Where would I be? And where would you be without the Word of God? You know, we, we, hold, we hold in our hands today uh, what we're able to read today. And, and above all, what is in our hearts today is the very Word of of the Lord. When, when we open up our Bibles, we are ultimately di- diving into His Word for us. The Bible gives us the heart of God. The Bible gives us the attitude of God. The Bible gives us the mind of God. The Bible gives us the will and the testament of God. So when we open up the Word of the Lord, when we get into His Word, I am finding the very motives of God, and I'm, I'm figuring out and, and seeing the very mission of God. And so we begin to see things a, a lot clearly when we look at life through the perspective of the Word of the Lord. And, and honestly, folks, that is, a, that is a vital component to living a set-apart life, living according to the Word of God. Listen, the, the Bible addresses everything that life has to offer, everything. There, there is no aspect of your life that is left out of God's Word, whether it be marriage and parenting or finances or vocation or even where to live or, or even where to live eternally. The Bible addresses it all. When the Bible speaks, God is speaking. And, and when God speaks, we as believers in Christ should listen and abide to His every word. Now, that is a challenge, isn't it? In and of itself, that is a challenge because we live in a culture where there are a lot of voices, a a lot of voices, and there are a lot of voices out there that, that want to be, that desire to be the standard for your life, isn't it? There, there are a lot of experts out there. Uh, uh, there, there. There are a good number of teachers in, in every realm of life that want your ear, that want your attention, that want your devotion, that want your focus, that want you to live according to their voice, to their standard. They want your investment. They want your time. They want your money. They want your trust. They want your worship. And, and many of those voices are contrary to the Word of God. They don't agree with God. They don't want you to live according to that standard. They want you to abandon that standard. They want to challenge that standard. And and, and I've heard this before, and, and maybe you have heard these same words before. They'll say things like, ah, the Bible is too old. It's it's old school. Okay? The Bible is too strict. The Bible is no fun. The Bible is problematic. The Bible is hard. I've heard this. The Bible is hard to read and understand. Some will say the Bible is judgmental. The Bible is bigotry. And all of those answers couldn't be further from the truth about what the Bible is all about. A lot of times when people say things like that, they've never even read the Bible. All right? They, they, they may have never sat down and considered its central message is that a God loves you. God loves you and has a strong desire to save you. 
from your sins. So, so what did he do? The central message of Scripture, of all of Scripture, is that he sent his son Jesus to bring the forgiveness that you need, to bring the healing that you need, to bring the purpose that you need, to bring the freedom that you need. God wants to save us. God also wants to give you direction on how to live your life once you trust in Jesus Christ. And so the Lord wants to be your focal point. His word wants to be your driving force. It's one thing to give your life over to Christ. It's another thing to live for Christ, to be set apart by him according to the standard of his word. David Livingston, uh, he was a, a Scottish physician. He was a Congregationalist. He, he, he was a pioneer Christian missionary in, in Africa and one of the most popular British heroes of the 19th century. Well, when David Livingston uh, began his trek, his missionary trek across Africa in 1852, he began his journey by carrying 73 books, which weighed altogether 180 pounds. After he had gone about 300 miles or so, he had to throw away some of the books. And I thought about that. I'm like, shoot, I... Three, three minutes. <laughs> okay, I start throwing books out. He did 300 miles and he began to throw away some of the books because they were not feasible to carry all that weight, you know, through the jungles and whatnot. And so he just continued to throw books away, uh, journey after journey, as he went further into his jungle expedition. Eventually, his library shrunk down to one book, the Bible. The Word of God was the only book he did not throw away. The Bible is truly the most important book in the world. Yet many read it as if it were the least important. He once wrote, David Livingston, he once said, All that I am, I owe to Jesus Christ, revealed to me in his divine book. Now I'm going to ask you this today, okay, as we dive into 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, to what or to who do you owe your life? You're all. To what or who gives you the standard by which you live your life? Is it the word of the Lord? I'm convinced that the reason people don't find the happiness, the joy, the, the purpose, the, the sense of belonging, the, the, the freedom, the knowledge, the power, the strength, the hope that they're looking for, is because they won't give God the chance or opportunity to speak into their lives. Now, here in 1 Peter, the apostle is writing to a group of believers. They, they are devoted, but they are struggling. As I've said week after week, they, they are struggling because following Jesus was not easy in the first century. Okay, there, there was a lot to it. And there, there was much to, to demand as a follower of Christ. It meant their life. And so they were struggling because they were being persecuted. And they had been scattered all over uh, the, the area of Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And, and so this is a letter. This is a letter written to, to a bunch of people scattered about in persecution. Uh, and they are struggling. They are, they are suffering. But the writer, Peter, wrote to encourage and strengthen them in their time of need. And so in chapter 1, he greets the, the readers by, by reminding them of their salvation. And he says, while you may be struggling, remember you are saved. 
Remember that Christ loves you. Even though you're going through trials and persecution and great pain, Christ has given you a new life. Christ has given you freedom. Those temporary setbacks and sufferings, they're there to strengthen your commitment to Christ and your witness and testimony for him. And that's the main message of chapter 1. Don't allow the fierceness of your circumstances to steal the glory and the hope that is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't allow those trials and hardships to blur the vision of what lies ahead in a relationship with Jesus. And and, and so Peter writes, don't be distracted. Be set apart. Be set apart by the salvation you have in the Lord. Be set apart in your thinking we talked about last week. But also be set apart in your living. Be different from the rest of the world. Live before the world set apart for the glory of God. And one of the key themes in chapter 1 And heading into chapter 2 is to live set apart by the Word of God. And so today, you and I are going to be challenged to live our lives by a different standard. By the Word of the Lord. Not our opinion, by the Word of the Lord. Not, not 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 our wants, not our wishes, by the Word of the Lord. Not, not our standard, but by the standard that is found in the Word of God. Not, not, not by somebody else's system or somebody else's standard, but by the standard of the Word of the Lord. Not by somebody else's philosophy or religion or input, but by God's Word and God's Word alone we are called to be set apart. We cannot afford to waste our lives, Peter wrote in, in verse 21. Hang in there, he said. Don't waste your life on living irresponsibly. You are redeemed. The ransom was paid for your life in Christ, and he saved you to be set apart here and for eternity. And now he's going to tell us how to live set apart by his word. What I, what I plan to do today, Lord willing, is I want to share with you one way this morning that we can live set apart by the word of God. And I would encourage you to come back this evening to hear the other two ways that we can live set apart by the word. But the one thing I want to talk to you about today is this. We are set apart by God's purifying word. That is the one thing I want you to get today. We are set apart by God's purifying word. Now, we're going to take a look at verses 22 through 23 um, together. We're going to look at those hard today. It says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, we are to be set apart by God's purifying word. In the broader spectrum, when you see these two verses, in the broader spectrum, these verses are speaking about how we're, to, how we're able to love one another in the body of Christ. Okay, that's the big picture. All right, we're asking this question. How can I love my brother and my sister and the Lord in the church? Here's the answer to that question. Our salvation in Jesus Christ enables us to love one another. And how do we do that? How do we get to that point? Where does salvation come from? Jesus Christ. And where did you hear about Jesus Christ? The gospel. And where do you get the gospel? The word of God. God. All right, it all starts in the Word of God. The Word of God 
is able to produce spiritual life. It is the incorruptible, imperishable, eternal word, the eternal seed that lives and abides forever. That verse 23 says, it is a living and powerful word according to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Notice carefully what verse 22 says. It says, our souls, our souls have been purified in obeying the truth. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, now you're able, now you're able to love others. Our lives have been changed for eternity because of the powerful word of God. Peter writes, your soul is purified, meaning you are right before God today. If you know Jesus Christ, a lot of people worry about what that moment's going to be like when they stand before the Lord. What will I say? What will I do? Peter puts that to rest. He says, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you look back in verse 19 and talks about being saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, if you know Christ today, you are right with God because he doesn't see you He sees his son. He sees the living word inside your heart and inside your life. I'm going to heaven and will be deemed right before the Lord, not because I'm a good guy and not because I've done a lot of good things, not because I belong to this church or, or that church or because I've been baptized or because I was a man of faith or because I gave this or that. It's not on me. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I will be declared right standing with him because, only because of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel changing my life. Through the sacrifice of Jesus alone, trusting in him alone, will I be right with the Lord. He says, so so you are purified. Your souls are purified in obeying the truth. The way that you're able to love each other and serve each other and care about each other, that that, that is just a reflection of the fact that Christ is in your heart. You don't do that on your own. 1 Peter 3.18, we'll get there one day, but 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Ephesians 3.12, In Jesus and through faith in him we may enter God's presence with boldness and confidence. Colossians 1.22 says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy, unblemished, and blameless in his presence. I am only right with the Lord because of Jesus Christ, because of this powerful gospel being given to me. I read it. I heard it. I believed it. I received it by faith in the Son of God. It was the purifying word of God that changed my soul. I heard the truth and I obeyed the truth, not by my own ability, but also by the Spirit's work Within me. Do you notice that part there in, in verse 20, 22? It says, Since you have been purified your souls in obeying the truth through who? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit of God. Okay, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to draw us into a relationship with the Lord. The Word of God is reminding us today you are born again. You are brought into a relationship with God, not by your doing, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You've been washed and you've been cleansed and you've been redeemed solely by Jesus alone, by God alone, by his spirits drawing alone. It has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with you. And I know that's hard to swallow. That's hard to listen to because we like credit and we like the sense of accomplishment. 
And we like the the moment of victory and we like the personal glory. But the set-apart life gives glory to no one but Jesus. Okay, and so, and so we don't have any personal glory and we don't have any personal fame and we don't have any eternal wealth other than that in which Christ gives us. The set-apart life realizes that the only good that is in you is the good that Jesus put there. Oh, man. <laughs> the set-apart life realizes that you desperately and utterly need salvation through relationship with jesus your life your soul it's been purified in obeying the truth through the spirit we are pure in the eyes of the lord only through the work of the lord we can't live right we can't love right without being right with the lord and it's not by my doing that i'm made right i'll give you something to think about in the early 1900s there was a a builder an engineer he was one day on a three-story uh, three scaffold, and he was at a construction site. He was working there, and he, and he stumbled and fell off the scaffold. And he, he's, fallen, he's fallen towards the ground, and it looks like this is going to be a fatal fall. We're talking three stories in the air. But right below the scaffold was a laborer who looked up just in time to see that there is a man that is about to fall on my body. Okay, and, and, and so what does he do? He realizes what's going on. There's a man plunging to his death. He realizes that he, brace, he braces himself because he was only, he's standing exactly where the man is going to fall. And the falling engineer lands flat on the laborer and the laborer absorbs the entire impact of the other man's fall. And this brutal collision fractured every bone Okay, in this, in this laborer's body. And even after he recovered from those injuries, he was severely disabled. Now, years later, a reporter comes to the laborer and, and he asks him, how in the world has the engineer treated you since the incident? And the handicapped man told the reporter, he gave me half of all that he owns, including a share of the business. He is constantly concerned about my needs He never lets me want for anything. Almost every day, he gives some sort of token of thanks or remembrance. So often, we forget. We forget what has been done for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of like Memorial Day weekend. What do we we really hear? It's Memorial Day. Okay, so hit the stores. All the sales are going to be out. It's Memorial Day. Open up the pools. It's Memorial Day. Begin to wear their seersucker suits. I wanted to do it today, but you're not supposed to do that till after Memorial Day. That's a fashion thing. Okay, so I didn't do it today. It's Memorial Day weekend. Fire up the grill. It's Memorial Day weekend. We get Monday off. It's Memorial Day weekend. Let's celebrate. Celebrate what? Celebrate the fact that you have freedom In this country, and the only reason we have freedom in this country is because willing men and women have fought and died for your freedom. Blood was shed, life was lost, a battle was fought and won so that you could enjoy the freedoms of Memorial Day. Brothers and sisters, we only have eternal life because blood was shed. Life was given by by Jesus Christ. We were free-falling to our death and our sin. We were headed for eternal condemnation in hell, but somebody absorbed the impact. Who was it but Jesus? 
Christ was bruised and pierced and crushed and bloodied and tortured and suffered much, sacrificed for our salvation. I want to say this. We owe our whole life to Christ, our whole being to Christ. All to Jesus we should surrender. I am purified by his work. I am purified by his word. I heard this good news and I believed it. And because of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am able now to live a set-apart life that is filled with praise and gratitude and worship and obedience. Don't take it for granted. Don't forget about it. We are nothing apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul said, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, but not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, and the things which are despised. God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory alone in the Lord. I glory today. Only in Christ. I'm purified by his work, by his word, by the good news that is written within this book. No one else, nothing else can save me, can pay the price for my sins, forgive me, set me free. No one can set me apart but Jesus Christ alone. And what he has done is good. And what he has done is holy. And and as we're going to hear tonight, what he has done is permanent. It is forever. It is purifying work. Now, here's the second part of this point. God's word purifies my life, but God's word also purifies my love, my living. There's another aspect of the saved life the set-apart life. And that's found in verses 22 and 23. We, We do have hope in Christ. That has been the theme all throughout. But we look here in the last part of verse 22, and it says, Through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. I am made holy by Jesus I am brought into harmony with other believers because of Jesus. Here is reality, folks. This is just just the brass tacks, okay? We don't live in harmony and unity with one another without the Lord, the love of the Lord working within us. Without the working of the Word of God within us. This is another one of those things where, where it's one thing to hear that you're to love your brothers and sisters. You hear it all the time. First John four sixteen. we know and we rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. We know that whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Ephesians 4, 2 says, be humble and patient and for, forgiving and bearing one another, you know, in love. First Peter 4, 8, above all, love deeply, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You've heard John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We hear that. You hear that today. I hear that today. But doing it, that's hard. 
This is one of those instances, just like with salvation, to know you're saved is one thing, to live saved is a different thing. and, and, And to know that you're to love each other, that's one thing. To live it, that's a different thing. But here is the point in this text. Love is the evidence that you belong to God. Love is the evidence. Peter challenges his readers to love each other with brotherly love, but also with sacrificial love. And and he uses both the word phileo and agape. He uses both words. Okay, he says you're going to have a brotherly love for each other, but then later he says you're going to have a sacrificial, Christ-like love for each other. We forget that we are saved to love in Christ, not just live in Christ. I know we do because we're not very good at loving each other sometimes. As a matter of fact, sometimes we are ruthless in the way that we treat our brothers and our sisters. We act selfish and we act spoiled. And Christians are supposed to be the very first that are, that are willing to, to forgive and move forward. But it seems like we're the last to be reconciled. We're called to care for each other and be compassionate and be considerate. But we don't always do that, do we? Okay, Living set apart is hard stuff. I'm telling you, I'm being honest. Some of the meanest spirited people that I know claim to be born again believers in Christ. And they go to churches and they lead churches. Man, it shouldn't be that way. Should break our hearts, getting mad at each other and and being bitter and ignoring one another, not talking to each other, turning the other way, avoiding, remembering what who and so did or what they said to you years ago, changing fellowships because you didn't get what you wanted. That, that's the honest truth. Sometimes it's easier for Christians to love the Lord that you have not seen than to love your brother that's sitting right beside you. Here's what God's Word says. You can't truly love each other Unless this word has done a work in your heart. It says, let the purified work of the word work in your heart. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, now through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently and with a pure heart. You can't truly love each other unless the word has done a work in your heart. And when I'm talking about this word, I'm talking about the word. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the harsh reality. Sometimes the reason that Christians don't get along or fight or argue or cause division, unreal division in the body of Christ is because of one of two things. Either we are living in blatant sin and we're not repenting or the other we're not saved to begin with. Now, because if we were truly set apart, if we were truly living for Christ, whom died and, and forgave us of our sins, we would be quick. We would be quick to forgive and settle differences and move forward together in harmony than simply let the enemy win and divide and destroy. There is a bond in Christ that is not meant to be broken. It's the purifying work of the Word of God in our hearts and our lives. In other words, the gospel, here's what the gospel does. The gospel penetrates our life and our love and changes us to live and love for the Lord. And when we're saved, when we're saved, the Holy Spirit puts within us a sincere love for not just the Lord, but for each other. We don't have just a spiritual love, but we've got this special, sincere love. The word unfeigned is used. If you've got a King James Bible, the word unfeigned is used. And that means pure. That means genuine. That means sincere. It means not fake. 
We give love, not so that we can get anything in return. I mean, I know it's nice to be loved back, but that's not why we love. We love because God first loved us. We love because we have this high calling and challenge to love one another. We love not not to use people to our own advantage or to get what we want, but we love because God has sincerely and devotedly loved us with an everlasting love. Here it is, folks. Listen up. We should love with sincere, fervent love because not just because it's the standard of God's word, but also because it's the call of God on our lives to draw people to a relationship with Christ. Here's the thing about the Word of God at work in the fellowship of the church. Love is a work, but love is a witness. And the lost world will see that you belong to Jesus by how you treat each other inside the church. That's the powerful work of the Word of God. God will use our unity to bring people to Himself. And because that is true, this is also true. Disunity will bring people away from Christ. We are far better together, aren't we? When you show compassion to one another, when you're willing to forgive each other and extend grace to each other and love genuinely and serve one another in Christ, God uses that to draw people to himself. The world knows you're his disciples by your love for one another. What message are we sending to the Lord but also to the lost world if we are divided, if we argue, if we belittle each other or hate each other or hold grudges or fight? Here's the call of God today, all right? Release each other. Forgive each other. Move on. Move forward. Have that conversation of grace and understanding that's needed. Extend forgiveness verbally. Do something that will unify the body instead of wound the body. Be pure together. God's word isn't just the standard for your life. God's word is the standard for the church and living together in the body of Christ. And I find it hard to believe that God would save your soul and not want you to be set apart with his church. I find it hard to believe that he would only want you to love yourself and not one another. If we're living by the standard of the purifying word of God, it purifies your life, but it also purifies your love. Now, that, now how, how we're going to end this message this morning is I'm going to ask this question. And this is the question that my four-year-old asked at least 497 times before noon. And sometimes he asked it in his sleep. Here's the question. Why? Why do I, have to, why, why do I need to do this? Why do I need to be set apart by the Word of God? Why, why do I need to be purified in, in my life but also in my love? Verse 23 tells us why. Having been born again, that's why. <laughs> Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The reason we live differently and the reason we love differently it's because of the work of the Word of God. It is consistent to follow and to go with God's Word in a new life in Christ Jesus. Do you want to do what is right? Do you want to be set apart? Do you truly want to be different? Do you want to be pure? Do you want to be holy? Do you want to be righteous? Do you want to be above all this? Do you want to be like Jesus? That's why we love differently. 
That's why we allow the Word of God to have such a deep, purifying work, because that is what the Word does. The Word of God changes your life. It says, you have been born again. 1 John 5, 1 through 2 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. I'm born again. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm expected to live for and love for the Lord because I have been born again. And I'm born again because the word of God was preached to me. It was proclaimed to me. It was presented to me. And I believed on Christ. I didn't believe on my own heart. I believed because the Holy Spirit drew me to a relationship with God. I was convicted because of the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart. And the Lord helped me to understand the truth of his word. The Spirit brought me to an understanding that Christ loved me. He died for me. And rose for me and I understood by the, that, that by through the Spirit's word, through the word, that I indeed was a sinful person and in desperate need of a relationship with Jesus. I called out to Jesus who was my living hope and I was saved and I received the free gift of grace by faith in him alone. I didn't do a thing. God did it all. All of it began though with the word of God, the imperishable, incorruptible, perfect word of God doing its work, drawing me to a love that I have never seen or heard or known before. And when it had done its work, the Holy Spirit led me and drew me to love like I have never loved before or expressed before or given before. You want to live a set-apart life, we have to be set apart by the purifying word of God of God. Let me pray for you today. Father in heaven, your word is powerful and it is truth. It is the focal point, the standard of our very lives and our being. It needs to be, it should be for the believer in Christ and for the unbeliever, it has to be. God, we're trusting today that your word alone will change hearts and lives. We are born again because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are born again and set free and called to love one another, to live for Christ because of the incorruptible, the eternal seed of the word of God. Verse 22, I, I, I just keep dwelling on this. We have, our, our souls have been purified in obeying the truth. It is the truth, Jesus says, that sets us free. And we glory in the name of the Lord alone today because of this precious, powerful, purifying word. So God, I'm going to ask you today to do a great and mighty, unbelievable work, something that could not be explained by any human mind or any human word. I pray, Lord, for a powerful move of God in the way that we live. I pray today that you would begin revival in Midway Baptist Church. And I pray today that it is done not by, not by emotions, <laughs> Not by fellowship, not by songs, but by the word 
of God. I pray for the Word of God to transform our lives. And when the Word of God transforms, transforms our lives, the Word of God transforms our church and the way that we worship and the way that we sing and the way that we pray and the way that we fellowship. All of that is impacted by the very Word of God. So God, first, I, I, ju- I just want to pray that if there's someone here today that needs to be saved, we've been reading about being born again, and we've been talking about being set apart, we've been, talk- we've been talking about our souls being purified. I-, I pray this morning that if there's someone who says, my-, my soul, my life has not been purified because I have not given my heart to Christ. I realize that today. I- I've heard about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. I don't, I don't follow Jesus. I don't have him in my heart. I don't have him in my life. I've never put my faith in him. I, I pray today that if there's a soul in this room, it's under the sound of the preaching of the word of God today, that they would be convicted right now and give their heart to Christ, that they would believe on Jesus alone for their salvation. And Lord, we want to celebrate that today. We want to celebrate the work of salvation in someone's heart today. So God, I'm praying if there's someone that needs to be saved That when we go into this time of invitation, they would shoot up from their seat and they'd say, I want to give my heart to Christ, my all to Christ. I want to live my life for Christ. All to Jesus, I surrender. I pray today for believers that have been challenged today by the purifying word of God. Thank you that we have been set free. Thank you that we have the church. Thank you, Lord, that we have a life and a calling that is to be set apart. But, Lord, the work has not been finished. There is a call to live for Jesus. There is a call to love the brethren. Sometimes that is not easy. Sometimes we are very unforgiving. Sometimes we are very judgmental. Sometimes we are very hurtful with our words and our thoughts, our opinions, our criticisms. Sometimes we we would rather lose a friend and a brother in Christ than confront truth and to be honest and to be gracious with one another and see reconciling work happen. This is where revival begins in the church when people begin to love God and love each other. And I pray for that to happen. I'm thankful for a fellowship that that reflects that. But I also know that we are human beings and we oftentimes operate in the flesh rather than the spirit. So forgive us, Lord, today. And if there's someone or if there's a circumstance in our life, if there's a relationship that has been damaged, we pray, oh God, for reconciliation to take place. We pray for forgiveness to take place. We pray for revival to break free in our hearts. And we pray that we would punch the enemy in the mouth for trying to start a fight in the local church. I pray, Lord, that people are made right with one another as they are made right before you. So, Lord, if someone needs to respond to this message today by extending a gracious hand of forgiveness to a brother or a sister, if we need to stop and pray for one another, if we need to stop and pray for a circumstance in our lives that we're thinking, ah, it's hard to forgive them, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, by your grace alone, Lord, you can do it. It can happen. If Christ, if you could set us free, if Jesus could set us free, surely we can forgive one another. If our souls have been redeemed, surely we can forgive one another. There's nothing beyond the redemption of God. So, Lord, I'm just just asking for a powerful move of the Spirit in this time. If people need to respond to the message in any way, I pray they would feel liberty to do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. If God's leading you to to obey his word today in any way and you need to respond to this message,